What's up, everybody out there? You are tuned into the Philippi Church Podcast. This is episode one, part two of my conversation with Trevor Yaris. Uh, Trevor and I are good friends. Uh, we have different thoughts on faith, so it's kind of interesting to be able to have a conversation and let you guys tune into that. So uh, this is the second half uh, or the second part of a conversation that we had uh, the other day. So hope you tune in and enjoy. So, so the, the, the point of this particular podcast, I think, is going to talk about life, so things going on, um, to talk about issues, things happening, you know, and then also to talk about faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I love about talking to you, Trevor, is, is you're like, um, you're one of the few people that I, I talk to that we don't necessarily agree on everything, I think, faith-wise, um, but we both can talk about it in a way that's really actually interesting without feeling offended or like, you know, like one of, this is one of the things, and, and, and you can correct me on this, one of the things that, that drives me crazy is I talk to somebody and they go, well, you know, that's true for you and what's true for me is true for me and so we don't even need to talk about it because you just believe whatever you want to believe and I'll believe whatever I want to believe and that, what that does is it totally kills any conversation, right? Because then we can't actually talk about, well, what is true and what is right and, you know, and what is good and uh, what I love about you, Trevor, is that you, you, you I think, believe that there is truth out there, yeah. right? And that we need to have a robust conversation about it. And here's one of the things that I think is killing the church is that Christians are so defensive, mm. right? About anyone that doesn't, um, or towards anybody that doesn't, um, you know, agree. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to like jujitsu witness to people, you know, like they'll meet somebody and maybe they're not a believer um, and to use our language and use a Christian or whatever. And they go, okay, I got to like say five things to get this person saved so that I can like, you know, make a convert or whatever. And that person is just totally turned off by that. They go, this guy's trying to like, it's like, somebody trying to sell you essential oils or something you're like, Oh, you're trying to sell me something right now, you know? Um, and so they get kind of defensive. And so like Christianity has developed for itself. I think this kind of stigma of being kind of pushy and like, like all you want to do is convert us, you know? And then I think, um, a lot of times Christians have, haven't been very good at listening to the views and faiths of other people. But I think if we can start at this place of like, Hey, um, there is truth out there and we're all chasing it. You know, then we can have good conversations, right? Yeah. And, and we can be secure enough in what we believe or what we know, you know, mm-hmm. to not be like offended and stuff. And that's one of the things I think is so great about the conversations we have. So I think it'd be really good for our probably mostly Christian audience to to hear um, what is your faith, Trevor? Like, what do you believe? Because I know you are a man of faith. And, and I don't, maybe you can define that however you want. I know I know you're someone that thinks about these things. Sure. You're not just tootling through life, yeah. you know, checking your Facebook. You're thinking about the deeper things. You're thinking about maybe even if I can, eternal things, I, I think, you know. And so what's your worldview? Like you kind of heard my whole spiel on Sunday about kind of um, what I would call the biblical worldview of of death and of mm-hmm. life and mm-hmm. kind of how I see this coronavirus thing or I think how the Bible would you know, define this coronavirus thing, why it's there and what, where it came from. Um, what would, what would be your worldview and maybe just give us a window into what you believe. Um, I think it'd be just super good for our listeners to listen, <laughs> just to hear sure. without just trying to think of what to say in response. Well, uh, first I, w- I want to reflect real quickly on, I think what makes a productive and meaningful conversation mm-hmm. between two people like yourself and myself. And it comes, I, I deeply respect you. Deeply respect yeah. you, and uh, and that's for a lot of reasons. One, when you speak, I believe there's there's some things I believe about you. One is you believe what you say, like you are. It's true. It's true to you, right? That's super powerful because um, it's it's it, it comes with integrity. Two, um, you also 
are curious. You're always, you are learning, you dig deeper and deeper into your faith and um, you raise questions and you seek answers and you raise questions and you seek answers. And, and you've gotten to a point where you now um, have the ability to share those answers with other people in a way that helps them further their learning. And that's what, you know, and, and so to me, I look at you as it's, it's, you're, you are a, a sort of expert to me, right? And well, I've never and been called I know. that. Thank well, you. <laughs> you are. And, you know, and, and I, I uh, enjoy and appreciate your sermons because I learn so much in them. Right. And, um, and, and, and you're so well versed that, uh, you know, you know, there's, there's so much context that's needed in any one scripture or, you know, we were talking about this the other day and, and to have somebody that has that context to be able to help you walk through it and understand the context while you're learning the thing is just so important. So for me, um, you were asking about, you know, I'm not dodging the question. No, I just, no, no. I, yeah. I, I appreciate I want to acknowledge that piece. Um, I think, uh, where, where I'm at is again, I, I seek to grow and learn and, um, I'm always curious and I think that curiosity is also what makes conversations really meaningful. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to disprove or prove. I want to learn and understand. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, you know, it's like the other day, like you said something in your sermon. We wrapped everything up. I chased you down the stairway <laughs> to ask you a question because I was curious, mm-hmm. you know. And, um, and, I, and I think that that curiosity is what has sort of been my... Um, the thing that has allowed me to continue to feel growth in my life is just staying curious and, um, and open, you know, and, and I started at a pretty young age. I, um, you know, I was, I was raised in a family that, um, my dad, uh, has, we, we have Russian heritage, Russian Jewish heritage on my dad's side. He was never a practicing, uh, uh, Jew, but Mm -hmm. that was the heritage there. My mom's side, Episcopalian. Um, and so, uh, when I was, you know, about eight years old, I ended up getting baptized as an Episcopalian and I learned, and I, I, you know, I was always curious. I started to learn a lot about faith and religion and, you know, um, dove in at that point when I was about 10 to 13. And then I became really good friends in high school with, uh, with, a Mormon family. And, um, I started to, um, one thing that I just, as an outside observer, mm-hmm. I was that gained my, grabbed my curiosity was the sense of family and the sense of, uh, you know, camaraderie between the, these groups, you know, the, the these Mormons, these Latter-day Saints that I was, you know, meeting and hanging out with and, and it was so strong and powerful and their rituals around family and all of that. And so it drew me in and I started, you know, I started down this path. I went through seminary. I went through all these different mm. and, um, and you know, I, I ended up in a place where I, there was a lot I took away from the experience and there was things that just didn't resonate for me. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I, I, you know, migrated into, uh, I, I went down, um, a, a Buddhist path for a while, um, uh, started, you know, with teachings of Buddha and, um, you know, I, I think actually my curiosity started with Siddhartha. 
um, Herman Hess, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I started down that path. And I'm really, nodding, like just pretending like I know yeah, who that is because I want to sound smart, but perfect. I really don't know. It's a, it's, <laughs> Siddhartha is a fantastic book mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's, it's an easy read, mm-hmm. um, okay. but really, really great. But um, w- it just opened me up to Eastern philosophy or East, Eastern religion and philosophy, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think uh, this is the interesting part, and this is one that I don't, I don't you know, it's a possibly triggery, triggery area for some people, but um, I have found that I've, through uh, certain philosophies, if you want to call it or whatnot, I've found that I've become more okay with not knowing. And, um, and that, you know, it's like I can sit at ease not knowing what's going to happen, right? And I think that, to me, I, I see uh, a, a place that religion fills really well for people is this need to feel like, you know, what's the, our biggest fear in life? The thing that we're all most afraid of is dying. And that uncertainty around what happens when I die, right? And and so having something that provides an answer for that and helps you feel certain about what happens in the most uncertain thing that happens to us in our in our life, um, I think that that helps people a lot. And where where I'm at is feeling like the the problem I have with the problem I have with feeling the sense of faith and um, is just I. I have gotten to the point where I'm okay with not having the answer and I don't feel, and this isn't always, I struggle sometimes it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I think I'm human, but, um, I, I don't need to know what happens, right? I don't need to feel that sense of certainty around it. I'm, I've, I've become more okay with being uncertain and it doesn't cause me stress or pain or anguish because I'm uncertain. Mm-hmm. And that's helped me in a lot of ways of feeling, of being able to, um, you know, how I look at these, uh, the lens I look through, right. It's not because I need certainty. It's because I want to, I seek to understand and I, and I, I want to learn and, and grow. Um, and, uh, and I don't, but I don't need to, in order to fulfill this need that I have to be certain so that I can feel okay. Right. Yeah. yeah, well, I think it's a good place to, to be. I think I've told you this before. Like, I think I think I would rather, you know, someone be in a place where they go, um, you know, I'm not going to just choose to believe something because it makes me feel good, right? Like, I'm going to believe something because I really believe it. Right. <laughs> you know? right. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of people do turn to religion not because they're actually, you know, um, convinced by evidence or by convinced by some kind of a, a philosophical argument that really makes sense. They're, they're just kind of like, I really want to feel, it's kind of like you and I were talking about earlier. Sometimes people don't really um, need to be safe. They just want to feel like they're safe. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like it, it, people are shaken right now by the coronavirus and it's, and, it, and it was, it was always there and it was always coming. And, but before the only difference was people just didn't know it was coming. Right. So it was just kind of this feeling of security, you know? And I think, well, and I think that's what's intrigued me about um, it's not even just intrigue. Like the thing that draws me towards uh, the conversations with you is it doesn't feel like that those needs are what are why this is your truth. This is just truth. This is just the matter of fact. Right. And and you have a lot of evidence to back that up. And that that is, makes me curious. I want to understand that and learn about the evidence. And I want to learn about your you know where, um, 
you don't come across to me as someone who needs it. It just is. That's the, that's the thing that I think is, I don't want to say it's not magical. Yeah. It's, it's the thing that makes, that brings it to a different reality to, for me. Right. Well, there's, and there's different layers to Christianity. You know, there's, um, there's kind of a cultural Christianity, which is convenient depending on where you live. Yeah. Like if you're, if you're in Utah, it's convenient to be a Mormon. <laughs> I mean, there's probably a lot of cultural conveniences to being a Mormon. I mean, they take care of their people or, you know, and so there's a, there's a, a convenient Christianity. And then there's a Christianity that you see in China right now. Mm. where people are literally, um, yeah, or, or the Christianity that you see in the early church when, when, um, you have, um, Caesar, you know, uh, I'm spacing ex- exactly which one it was right now, but, you know, literally burning Christians, like dipping them in wax and burning them and, and riding through the garden and chariot, you know, yelling out, you're the light of the world mocking, you know, it's like, it's like, um, or, or what we see in the new Testament and you see, you know, Paul, the apostle who was constantly being beat up and imprisoned and chased. It's like, yes. what was driving this guy, you know? And, um, like what really trips me out is Jesus's brothers. It's like, can you imagine growing up with Jesus and then being willing to die saying that he was God? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow, you know, but so I, my, my point in that though, is that I think that there's, there's different layers, like, and I think when stuff like this comes and hard times come, it really starts to test like, well, why, why do I believe this? Was it because there was a, a cultural convenience to it? Um, I think in, in many ways right now, our, our culture is changing where it's almost more, if I can use the, the word, it's almost more sexy to not be a Christian in our culture or mm. to be a deconstructed Christian, which is a lot of the, the language. Yeah. Right? Like, like a lot of Christians that are my age right now are going, you know, I, I don't like these rigid kind of um, ideas. Sure. Uh, I'm going to kind of reopen myself up and re- deconstruct what I'm thinking. Um, and that's kind of almost popular. Like if you post that on Instagram, you're going to get tons of likes, especially if you say anything like uh, against the church, it's almost becoming like more popular. So I think they're starting to become, but that's just creating more and more of a divide in our country. I think between like fundamental Christian culture and maybe more progressive liberal culture, you know, and people kind of picking their side. The problem I have with all that is that none of it has to do with really what's true. It has to do largely with what's popular, you know, and that's what, that's what really kills the conversation is it's like, I think there's a lot of insecure Christians out there that don't really know if what they believe is true. And so they get really mad at anyone that challenges it Yeah. instead of actually listening and going, well, maybe there's a refinement to what I believe here, you know? So I, I'm curiosity. I don't want to flip this whole uh, interview on its head, no, but it can go wherever I have to ask this question because, um, I think that uh, when the question is this, when did you move from social Christianity into truth as, as as you see, like this, this place of solid solidarity that you, is that the word? I don't know. This place that you (laughs) are, you have such a solid foundation and you speak from total conviction. Um, What, 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 what was was it a moment or was it a process to, to migrate from, you know, being in the church because that's what your family did and what, you know, what you grew up with to who you are now? Yeah. Uh, I'd say it was more like a baby. It wasn't like grown right mm. away. It wasn't like, Hey, here's a, here's a full grown adult. <laughs> it wasn't like Adam and Eve in the garden. Boom. There you go. It was uh it was, it was a baby faith. And, um, I, I was, um, the epitome of a cultural Christian in that I lived two lives. Like I was up until I was 17, I was one person around my Christian life and I was another person around my world life. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I never see, I'm, I never really doubted that there was a God to me. It almost seems like nonsense to think that there's not a divine mind behind yeah. everything. Sure. Um, and I think most humans actually believe that. I think, um, the idea that, that, that stuff came or that a mind came from stuff 
as opposed to stuff coming from a mind. Yeah. <laughs> like that just seems like basic And that's math, pervasive right? through yeah. most belief systems. Totally. Yeah. So for me, I never questioned and, and I was grown up to, I was uh, raised to know the Bible and, and I saw the validity of the Bible and I saw even from a young age, I saw the, the, the validity of the truth claims of the resurrection and of Christ. And so, but I was just an open rebellion to it. So I actually believed it was true through high school, but I actually really liked the lifestyle that I wanted to live. Uh. And so for me, I just, I just lived a double life. Um, but I came to the end of myself in that. So for me, it was kind of, it wasn't, it wasn't that I, I, I was doubting whether God existed and whether the Bible was the, truly his revealed word. Uh, for me, it was, I knew that was true and I was living in rebellion to it. And uh, it came, it took me coming to the end of myself. It took me realizing that I was sick of, run, of ruling my life and realizing that I wanted to turn the keys over. Uh, I came to this point where I just, I absolutely realized that I was my own worst enemy. Like I just mm. sabotage myself. Like when I call the shots, I make bad decisions. And, and when I'm, I talked about this on Sunday, but when I'm, when it's my life instead of his life coming out of me, I didn't like it. I didn't like myself. I didn't like who I was. I'm like, is this all, this is all I have? Just, just me and my bad decisions. And so it, I literally broke down and, and, and cried out in that, in that moment. And I just told the Lord, like, God, I want you living through me now. I, I, I want, I know that you're, I know that you're real and I'm just choosing to give you the keys. Mm -hmm. and, and even though they were already his, I just right. wasn't living that way. Um, and in that moment, um, I was, to use Christian language, I was born again. I think that that Zoe life I talked about on Sunday, Zoe life, that yeah. divine life I think was birthed in me. In, 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 in the midst of my dying bios, in the midst mm. of my dying physical body and my dying sort of um, life that I have struggle with constantly, um, now I have this living life coming, but it's grown and it's grown and it's grown. And I've, I've gone through seasons with doubt. I've gone through seasons of asking questions and researching and all of these kinds of things. And um, the, more I, the more I ask questions and the more that I research, the more uh, that I just am convinced <laughs> that... Yes. that, that um, that Christ really did raise and really is the King, you know. And um, but I'm I'm secure in that enough that I think that that I can allow people to to disagree. Um, and I see I can understand that there are good arguments on other sides too, you know. And I think one of the things Christians don't do well is they just they make straw man arguments of what the world is saying. Or when I use mm. the world, I mean anyone outside of the church. Um, they use, they make straw man arguments to try to make themselves feel really secure, and then and then um, some you know eighteen year old goes off to a Harvard or some secular university, and his parents told him that non Christians were you know fire breathing dragons, you know that just <laughs> and then he sees this really winsome you know intellectual guy that recycles his garbage and seems to have a, a loving relationship with his wife, and they go oh man like this guy's not so not bad you know dragon. so yeah so so what in the world does that mean the Bible's not true and and all that kind of stuff and it's just because we haven't taught um, I think our kids um, a good view of the Imago Dei, which is the fact that God created all humans in his image. And so um, humans, um, aside from the Zoe life being, you know, put, being born again in them, they are capable of very a lot of good because they're created in the image of a good God. But we're all a mixed bag. <laughs> we all have our dark sides and you know, we all ultimately are, are good and bad. But so so and to answer your question, you know, it's been a growing thing in me and in um the, the more that, that I um, trust the Lord with all of my life, the more that he proves faithful, the more that I give over the keys and I have to do it every day. It's not just like a, I did it once and now it's easy. Every day I get up and I have to make a decision. Am I the king of my life yeah. or is he the king? And uh, everything in me wants to rule my own life. Yeah. Everything in me wants to do what I want to do. Um, but I constantly have to go, no, okay, Lord, you're, you're the king of my life. Here you go. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't Absolutely. know if that answers your question at all. Yeah. Well, and, and, and part of my curiosity was, uh, when that transition happened and part of my curiosity is that did you just grow up with the um 
the belief and faith that the book, the Bible mm-hmm. was truth or, or did that happen for you at some point? Totally. Yeah. Well, I was raised to believe that for sure, but I'm a, I'm definitely a, an inquisitive by nature. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, um, I don't really just like swallow something because someone said to, you know, so I went through a season, um, probably when I first got saved, like the first two or three years of my, um, Christian life, I was just constantly listening and researching what we call apologetics, the defense of the faith. Um, and, and that would be the defense for how we got the Bible, uh, the resurrection itself. Uh, and for me, the evidence of those what things. What was that again? It's called? So apologetics. Okay. It's, oh, apologetics. it's from the, uh-huh. the, the Greek word apologia, which is just to make a defense. Yep. And so studying that and, and understanding, okay, how did we get the Bible? Because if we're people of the book, I mean, we really stack all of our faith on the fact that this book's telling us the truth. You know, and and how did we get it, and and why can we trust it, and and then um, on top of that, was Jesus really who um, we believe him to be, or was he just some historical figure that got skewed? I mean, you gotta ask all those questions. If you're if you're a self-respecting human being, <laughs> you gotta ask those questions. If you're staking your whole life, and I'll be honest, like for me, it's not super convenient to be a Christian. Right. And, I mean, in, in some ways, I guess there's a there's a, a component to it that is socially beneficial and and things. But but um, Paul, well, in the right circles, in, in the, the right other circles, circles, yeah, it's the opposite for you, right? Paul said, Paul the Apostle said, if if, if Christ didn't raise from the dead, we wasted our lives. Wow. Because for me, um, my life is Christ's and, and, and everything. Now, I don't always live like that, but but my goal is always to surrender all that I am over to his cause, his mission, his his kingdom expansion. And so that means a lot of things that we don't do as Christians. That means a lot of things that we go, hey, we're going to choose not to spend our money in that way. We're going to choose not to, to make decisions in that way. And that's that's something that I think um, I'm, I'm more and more um, assured of mm-hmm. every time I do it. So there's an interesting, uh, you know, I, uh, I guess from a different perspective, I look at it and I think, well, that faith, um, to me, it's, it's, it's two parts. It's not just what you believe in, but it's how does that shape who you are and how you, wh- how you, uh, interact with the world around you. Mm-hmm. And that Zoe life you speak of when you're living through that, mm-hmm. um, the person that you are and how you are in society and what you're contributing to the world around you is just so much more caring and loving, accepting, appreciative. It's the things that we love about being people with other people on this planet. And so to me, you know, it's like if, if uh, you know you threw that statement out there, like if, if this didn't happen or if this isn't true, then our life is wasted. I, I think that the impacts of believing that and how that has shaped who you are and how you are to other people mm-hmm. is not a waste, no matter how you got there. Mm-hmm. I think it's so important. And that's like another reason. It's like somebody who truly believes and, and lives through it. You know, if you live through your belief and your faith, um, there aren't a lot of beliefs, uh, systems and faith systems that are, uh, inherently evil. <laughs> Let's just be real, mm-hmm. right? And so when you fully embrace that and it is truth to you and you live through that, the how you show up in the world is massively impactful in, as, for good right. and for love and for connection and for, and this is the piece that I think uh, it's it's tougher to reconcile, which is beyond, right? The right. beyond. Right. And, and, and that's the piece where, um, you know, there's, 
that's where most systems start to diverge is, is beyond what happens beyond. Um, and that's for me, you know, I, I, I have become comfortable with not having to know that answer. I still am curious Mm -hmm. and I still want to understand as much as I can. Um, but I don't, I don't feel like I have to understand it. Now that said, there's this feeling of, well, if you don't understand and you don't embrace it, then where that leaves you in that moment, it, you know, it's, it's almost like I'm a, a denier, um, because, uh, it's put in front of me. I have an awareness of it and I don't embrace it or accept it. And therefore I'm a denier and I will, I'm going to be, you know, there's people that fear for my soul. Right. And, and I wrestle with that. I wrestle with that because, um, you know, I, I, I have friends or people I've known acquaintances I've known, um, who one of their primary reasons for being, for accepting and believing and diving in is the fear of the unknown. It's like, well, what if it is true? Like, it doesn't hurt me to, to accept it and believe it. It doesn't really hurt me. But it hurts. It could hurt me, right? If I don't totally, and it is true, yeah, right. And that's the part where you know that's where the wrestle happens, yeah. right? Yeah. So that's why I, you know, it's like I'm always curious. Like, so there's so many people, and this is not the answer you gave me, which is again why I'm so I enjoy our conversation so much. So many people, it's like a moment they, it, and to an outside perspective who doesn't hasn't had that experience yet the idea of just being spoken to, you know, by Holy spirit, um, or, you know, in, in, in some fashion, it happened in a moment, there was a, a moment where you felt embraced or whatever it was. Um, it sounds magical from the outside. If it hasn't happened right. to you yet, it just sounds more, yeah. you know? And so that's where it's like, those answers are really hard to wrestle with to say, Oh, yeah. well, you know, I haven't had that experience right? or maybe I just didn't, understand it when it did happen. Yeah. You know, I love that old joke of like, well, I sent a boat, I sent a helicopter, <laughs> I sent, you know, like, yeah, I get that. And that's right. where I, re- I wrestled with that. Right. Like how many, how many attempts have been made? And yeah. you're another one. You're somebody else in my life yeah. who's here, yeah. who is take, you know, taking an interest, who cares about me totally, and shares, yeah. you know, shares your beliefs and your faith. Well, and how could I, how could a self-respecting Christian like, like me, you know, say that I, I care about you if I didn't say I was interested in your eternal life, you know I mean? Like, Absolutely. What, wouldn't I be duplicitous? hundred percent. Which is why, which is why, you know, um, liberal Christianity won't survive because it's duplicitous. It's, it's duplicitous to say that we think, um, you know, everyone gets to go to, to heaven and even the Bible doesn't say that. Right. And we love you and we're not going to call you. Oh, that's silly. But I was going to say, you know, in terms of I just keep thinking of having a baby. I think I think the Christian faith is like, when did you become a father? The second that you held your, you know, you have a daughter and a son, right? Yep. No, I have two two sons. You two sons. Yeah. The second you held your first, you know, first son, you were a father. Yes. But you grew into that, right? You grew into that, and I think for for the for um, Christians, oh yeah, you know, I wasn't a great father right away. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, like for me, my faith was it was born in an instant, but it's been developing, and sure. I think it will develop even into eternity. Here's the 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 bone I pick sometimes with the approach of Christians that. Um, Hey, dude, you're going to hell. Like, you don't want to go to hell, right? Pray the prayer, because wouldn't you rather be right? You know, yeah. Uh, you know, it's that's like the, that's that, a dilemma. That's a, the real problem I have with that is that it's it's basically saying that the best part of Christianity is that you don't have to go to hell. 
And I'm like, that's just, to me, that's just not true. I, I, I think that's certainly a bonus and, and, and we can, you know, it's get fair, into fair, uh, right. fear-based belief. Right. right? Exactly. Whereas the, 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 your sermon on Sunday, and again, I want to say this to anybody listening, if you have, it's on, it's on YouTube yeah, and, and it's on our podcast. Facebook. Too, Did you put website. it? It's on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the Zoe life approach is one that just, I think resonates so much because it's not fear-based, right? Right. It, it's, it says the same, it's the same construct, but it's not fear-based. It's the opposite. It's the opposite. Right. And I think that that's the same thing with like old Testament, new Testament, right? There's this fear-based, uh, version of Christianity that existed. And then this love-based version of Christianity that existed post Christ. Right. And, mm-hmm. and that, or, or on the, <laughs> after, no, after no, the, I know what you're saying. Yeah. And so, um, so that, that though is, uh, I, I, th- I think we deal with this in society, which is we're all built differently. And, um, and you know, and rationalization, intelligence, these things can fight against you when it comes to, uh, the, you know, giving yourself over to something, uh, that it, that doesn't fit the criteria of logic and ration. Right. Um, while on the other side, it, you, um, it's really easy for us as humans to become very fear-based creatures. (laughs) And, and that's, you know, and, and that's where I think there's a lot of people who, um, make choices like, uh, belief systems and things like that based on, from a fear perspective of, I don't want to be wrong in this if I am wrong, but it's not from a, 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 a place of absolute truth. Right. And again, people like yourself are the, you're the middle ground. And that's, that's, that's where I think the strength really is, is it's, it's not fear-based. It's this other thing and you believe it through and through. And I, and, and I don't think anyone can do anything, but um, I think appreciate and respect that and want to understand it at a deeper level. And I think that's, that's the future of Christianity is, is, is based on those foundations and platforms, which I think is the history of Christianity. I think right. that it gets lost in the middle sometimes yeah. by uh, those people who come into it fear-based becoming the people that preach it. Right. Yeah, I was going you know, I was gonna say um, one piece that I didn't mention in my story about when I, um, when I, the way I would say it when I got saved was that um, I was terrified all through my childhood of going to hell. Like, and I remember laying, like laying in bed late at night. I don't even know, maybe my daughter's age. I mean, pretty young, you know, like five, six even and being like, oh, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. And I remember like praying a prayer, like, God, please, I want to be saved. So I don't go to hell. But I knew in my heart that I didn't really believe it. Mm. Like I knew in my heart that I wasn't really giving myself over to him. I just didn't want to go to hell. And it never stuck. It never took. And I, and I know I never believed that any of those prayers were really actually me getting saved. I actually think those were just fear, um, th- you know, things welling up. But the difference between those things and what happened when I was 17 years old was that in the moment that God got a hold of my heart when I was 17, it wasn't about, I don't want to go to hell. It was, I want you, Lord. Like, you are the most valuable thing in the universe. Mm. And I realized that it wasn't it wasn't Christianity that I was drawn to. In fact, Christianity is kind of hokey sometimes, and and it's, you know, it's it's got all kinds of problems in terms of the people, because we're all broken. But I saw Jesus, and I saw his goodness, and I saw his love, and I thought, you are the one I want. 
And that was in that in that moment, it wasn't just saying no to hell, it was saying yes to him. And he was the reward. And I think this is really the gospel that Jesus came preaching. Like uh, he he said, I am the life. <laughs> he wasn't yeah. he wasn't saying I am the way to escape hell. Although he did say that. He said, I'm the door, you know. Um, but he said that I am the life. And that life isn't just reserved for eternity. And a, a Christian message that just is all about escapism and and future hope, future joy, future joy, future joy. It doesn't there's no life now, but the reality is that there's a life now for the Christian because God's life can live through you now. You know, and I just wanted to speak to that thing you said too about the Old Testament and the New Testament. Because I think people get confused about that sometimes, including myself. Like, man, why was God a big jerk in the Old Testament? And then why is all of a sudden he all like nice in the New Testament, which isn't really true if you read right. Revelation and stuff. Um, but regardless, you know, the reality was is that the world was in darkness in the Old Testament. And, and God still loved the world and was working in the world, but the world was in darkness. Um, and then Christ comes in like the light, like the, someone just flips on the switch, you know. And it's not that God wasn't loving in the Old Testament. He, in fact, was, but he was um, setting the stage for his key character to come on the stage and be the Redeemer. The Old Old Testament is just setting the stage for the key player, the, the star of the show, to show up and turn on the lights and be the light, you know, um, and, and to save the universe. Well, hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. That was part two of episode one with my conversation with Trevor Yarish. Uh, tune in for part three of that conversation. That's our third and final section, and we hope you'll join us for that. See you next time. <laughs>